Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I believe I have a word for you today. How many of you are ready to hear the word of the Lord? I believe I have a word for you today. I want you to open up your heart. Matthew 26, verse 34 says this. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Skip ahead to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, saying, I don't know this man. After a little while, those standing there went to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses. This, he really doesn't want anybody to think he knows Jesus, right? And he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Today we continue our desperation series. And to kick this off today, I have a question for you. And here's the question I want to ask you. Is God a God of the second chance? Is God, let me say it this way, does God give us second chances? Even if we mess up really bad, does God give us second chances? Or does he disown us? Is God a God of the second chance? If you Google this, I actually Googled it this week, does God give us second chances, just to see what the world is out there saying, and you find all kinds of opinions on Google. Uh, anything you want to look up, Google has some form of an answer, I promise. But some people say this, hey, you can do whatever you want to do, and God's fine with it as long as you're happy. I'm not even worried about second chances. As long as you're content, as long as you have peace. God's okay with it. Some say this, no, he's not a God of second chances. I was surprised at how many people give their dissertation of why they think that God is not a God of second chances. But one of the ones I love the most said things like this. They say those who believe that God is a God of the second chance water down the gospel and they make people who are sinners think it's okay to be a sinner. So what is it? Is he a God of the second chance or is he not? I give you my opinion. You can take it or leave it, but this is my opinion. I believe that God is a God of the second chance. Not only do I believe that God is a God of a second chance, I believe he's a God of a hundred chances. I believe if you need a thousand chances, he's the God of that. However many chances you may need, God is there. No matter how sinful you've been, no matter how rebellious you may have been, no matter how many times you've messed up or screwed up, I believe that God is always standing there waiting to give you a second chance if you come to him humbly 
and with repentance in your heart. Now let me be clear what I am not saying. I am not saying that when we serve a God of a second chance, it gives us a license to live and to do whatever we want to do. Just because we serve a God of the second chance, that does not give us the right, the privilege, and the ability to sin as much as we want. First John chapter 3 actually speaks to this from the message. Listen to what it says. All who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless. For sin, listen to this, is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him. But I love this line. And sin is not a part of his program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. It doesn't say anyone who lives in Christ never sins. It says we don't make a practice of sin. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Jesus. They've got it all backwards. I love this. There is no sin in him, and sin is not a part of his pro program, and no one who knows him lives or makes a practice of sin. Now, just because we serve a God of a second chance doesn't mean we can take advantage of his mercy. Doesn't mean that. Guess what today? You're a human being. You will sin. Let's get that out of the way. You're a human. You will sin. Every single one of us will fall short of his glory. We have sinned and we will continue to sin. But God will give you a second chance if you repent. But listen to me. Don't make a practice of sin. Don't think, hey, God's going to give me a second chance. I can do whatever I want to do. Don't treat, I, I, this is kind of my philosophy, don't treat God's mercy and grace like a rag doll. What do I mean? I mean, you've ever seen a little kid just dragging their doll and doing whatever they want, writing on it, throwing it up against the wall? Don't treat God's grace and his mercy like a rag doll. It's not cheap. His mercy isn't free. But he is a God of the second chance. Let me ask you another question, not necessarily referencing sin with this question, but how many of you have ever failed? Raise your hand high if you've ever failed, all right? If you didn't raise your hands, you just failed, all right? How many of you ever wished you could say something, do something, or be something all over again? Like, oop, let me take that back. Anybody ever said something you wish you hadn't said? Uh, how many of you... Ever wish you had another chance at a job? Have you ever wish you like, man, I wish I would have done that job better? How many of you ever wish you could have been, you know, like, man, I wish I would have parented in that situation a little better? Anybody ever like walked away and you walked away like you had it all together, but you're like, man, that was an epic parent failure? How many of you as a child wish, man, I wish I could redo that again? How many of you have ever taken a test that you thought, man, I sure wish I would have studied? Anybody? Second chance for that test? Weren't you thankful that some teachers graded on the curve? Praise God. All you smart people in the room made us angry. Oh, so everybody's got to base it off of 100. I was, my 60 is not good enough. But anyway, how many of you ever wish you had another chance in a relationship or with a child to please God? We've all failed more than once. And we will fail again. There's nobody in this room that hasn't failed. But aren't you glad that we have a God? who's the creator, the sustainer of this world, the savior of our soul, who gives us 
a second chance. I'm so thankful that we serve a God of a second chance. And today, what I want to talk with you about for the next few moments is being desperate for a second chance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and I ask you to be in this room. I ask you today, would you speak to every single heart and to every life? I believe you have something you want to say today. Speak to this room, to everyone. Speak to myself. Speak through me and give us ears to hear and a heart to respond. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Hey, if you've ever, if you've never failed, let me say it this way. If you've never failed, this message is not for you. If you are a perfect human being, this message is not for you, but that's okay. You don't need a message like this because you're perfect. But if you're in this room today and you're not a perfect human being, if you're in this room today and you've ever failed, if you're in this room today and you've ever tried to overcome a sin that constantly defeats you, if you're in this room today and you feel plagued by guilt because of some past choices, I want to tell you this message, this message of hope about a God who gives us second chances is for you. In Matthew chapter 26, we just looked at it just a moment, we see the story of the unfolding of Jesus being crucified. We see him being betrayed, we see him being rejected, we see him being laughed at, mocked, beaten. We see this whole process begin to happen in the life of Jesus. But one of the things that is interesting to me in this story is we see Peter, one of his disciples. Now, Peter's not just any old disciple. He's one of the inner circle of disciples, and he denies Jesus. I don't know. But my philosophy is if you deny Jesus and it causes him to be crucified, you probably don't deserve a second chance. But when we read Mark chapter 16, after the resurrection, so Jesus dies, he's now risen from the grave, and he's now going and he's kind of preparing the New Testament church. He's preparing them to see a move of God and to sweep through the nation in Mark chapter 16, the angel of the Lord appears to Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus in verse 7. Listen what they say right here. Now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. I want that to sink in. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Depending on how you read this, you can read it from a negative slant or a positive slant. Go tell my disciples and Peter. So Peter is no longer a disciple. I, that's how I read it. He renounced who Jesus was. I'm no longer his disciple. I don't know who this man is. But Jesus says, hey, go tell the ones who still believe me, but also tell Peter. And tell him I have a second chance for him. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that in just a moment. How many of you guys remember a guy from the Bible named Samson? Anybody remember a guy from the Bible named Samson? Sight and Sound Theater does a great presentation of Samson right now. If you want to go watch it, it's not a pro, it's not a commercial for them, but we loved it. We saw it. Great, great, great little show. But Samson, the Bible tells us, is really the strongest man to ever live. But Samson struggled. If you don't know a thing about Samson, let me just kind of say, Samson is the one who took a Nazarite vow, and one of the big things in that Nazarite vow is he was not to cut his hair, right? And so Samson begins to struggle with a woman, like a lot of men do. We struggle sometimes. And, uh, but Samson struggles with a woman. 
and she's trying to find out the secret of his success. Like, hey, why are you so strong? And Samson can never be beaten. He always beats the Philistines. They can't tie him up. And he goes into all these stories and all these false, you know, like things. Hey, if you do this to me, if you get some ropes wet and tie me up, and if you do this, and if you do that, and every time she, she would do that to him. Here's what I'm thinking. Samson, after the 17th time or every time she tried something to you, don't you think you would say, hey, this woman's out to get me? I mean, how stupid. But all of us men, we can sit there and look at the Bible and say, but we've done the same thing. And I'm not speaking negatively towards women. I'm saying we've there have been multiple times where we've been fools. and so This worked this last time, and we step back into it. And so Samson, she's continually trying to get him. So finally he tells her a secret, and he says, hey, if you cut my hair, I'll be just like everybody else. Some of you need to listen to me today. I want you to hear this. God is faithful, and he will give you a second chance. But some of you in this room, you need to wake up. You need to quit flirting with sin. You need to quit playing games. Some of you in this room today, please hear me. You think you can live however you want, do whatever you want, be whatever you want, say whatever you want, and God's mercy and grace is always going to be there. He's going to give me a hundred chances. But listen to me. Samson, the Bible tells us that after she cut his hair and she lulled him to sleep and she fell asleep in the, he fell asleep really in the lap of sin, and he wakes up and he did not know that the presence of God had left him. Listen to me today. Yes, God might give you a second chance. But you need to stop playing games. Run from sin. Don't sleep with it. Let me say it again. Run from sin. Run fast, Forrest. Run. Don't sleep with sin. So Samson has his hair cut. Loses his strength. He's now a prisoner. But he prays, hey, Lord, remember me. Hey, God, remember me. God, you remember all those times I did all those things? God, I, I, can, I can almost hear Samson like, God, I remember when I did this. I remember this. I, I remember your presence. And yeah, I blew it. I lost it. But would you remember me one more time? And he says, would you give me strength one more time? Time and in his death, listen to me, Samson killed more of his enemy than in his entire in his in his whole life combined. Why? Because God gave him a second chance. What's the lesson today? Yes, we serve a God of the second chance, but here is the big deal today. Failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. Go tell my disciples. And Peter. I don't know, but I read that story in Mark chapter 16, and I figure if the Lord wants to take time to call out Peter by name, it must be important. And I don't know, maybe today the Lord is calling out your name. Go tell my disciples and fill in the blank. Go tell my disciples and Chad. Go tell my disciples and Jason. Go tell my disciples and Tasha. Maybe saying your name today. Maybe you're here today and you're hanging your head in shame from a mistake you made. Sin does that to us. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're depressed because of your actions. Maybe you failed. Maybe you've sinned. 
repeatedly. Maybe you've struggled with an issue for years. Maybe you've held some secrets. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're disconnected from your family. Maybe you've even denied the Lord on more than one occasion as Peter did. But just remember, if God would forgive Peter and call him by name and bring him back into the fold, he will do the same thing for you. Failure isn't final. Your past failures do not determine your future. Your past, your failures do not disqualify you. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Luke chapter 15, we see another story. We know this story is the story of the prodigal son. And this story very strongly illustrates the fact that God is a God of the second chance. Most of us know the story, but for those who don't, there's a man, a rich man. He has two sons. The youngest son says, hey, I'm tired of living under my dad's thumb. I want my money. I want my money now. And so his dad gives him his money. And his son goes out and he lives wild. He lives free. He blows his money. He throws parties. He is the life of the party. Everybody wants to be around him. Money has a tendency to do that when you have it and you want to give it out. People want to be around you. But this man, this young son, he begins to blow it all. He begins to live in sin. And one day he has no more money left. And he has no more friends. And he finds himself living in a pig pen. Listen to me, sometimes... Listen to me, we have to sleep in the bed that we made. Sometimes we have to live in the mess we made for a season. And this young man comes to his senses living in this pig pen, living in this mess because of a choice that he made. But listen to me, God sometimes uses our messes to get our attention. I believe that with everything inside of me. Sometimes, most of the time, God uses our mess to get our attention. And so the prodigal son, he comes to his senses. And the good news is, is after he comes to his senses and says, Hey, I'm going to go home. At least I can be a servant to my father, have a roof over my head and some meals. And so he's going home, probably walking in shame, probably with his tail tucked between his legs, thinking, Hey, my father's going to ream me. My father's going to berate me. He's going to knock me down. He's going to kind of get me off my high horse. And so he's walking with shame but aren't you glad that you have a father who's sitting there waiting for you to come home aren't you glad that you have a father who's want running out to meet you God's not just looking there saying keep coming keep coming no this story paints a picture of a God who runs to his son who runs to his daughter he doesn't only run to us he says give my son a ring he says give my son some sandals and let's kill a calf and let's throw a party aren't you glad that we serve a God of a second chance Six of us are, that's good. But I'm so thankful that God throws us parties when we repent. I'm so glad that when I repent, He restores me. I'm so glad that when I repent and I fall on my knees and say, I've messed up, He renews me and He gives me a brand new beginning. And that's something I really believe a lot of us need to hear today. Here's what the Lord really started speaking to me. I think a lot of us are confident that God will forgive us. But many of us, shame lies to us, and it tells us, you will be forgiven, but you'll never be the same. Shame lies to us and says, you'll never be restored. You'll never be happy again. But listen to me today, failure is not final, and this is a lie straight from the pit of hell when it says, you'll never be restored. You'll never be the same. Listen to me, the son, the prodigal son was not only forgiven, but he was restored. He was put back in his rightful place. Another great story about someone who failed and messed up is the story of Jonah. 
The book of Jonah starts with God telling Jonah to do something. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says this. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah. He said, get on your feet. Go to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They are in a bad way. I can't ignore it any longer. And what's Jonah do? He disobeys. He runs from God. I, you know, this week I was sitting in my office. I'm, I'm thankful for the book of Jonah. It makes me not feel so bad about myself. Because Jonah is, he's an ordinary, really, if you look at him, he's not, he's not, nothing special. The book starts with him disobeying God. In the middle, he gets it together. And then the last chapter of Jonah, he's depressed, discouraged, and angry that God saved people. Aren't you glad that God gives us mercy and grace even in our mess? And Jonah is discouraged, Jonah is depressed, but in spite of who Jonah is, in spite of his failures, in spite of his shortcomings, God uses him. Let me give you quickly three things from the life of Jonah, but you can apply these to the life of Peter, to Samson, to the prodigal son. You can apply these to any of these stories. Number one, God's love will never let you go. He told Jonah in Jonah chapter one, go to Nineveh. Jonah gets in a boat headed to Tarshish, which is the exact opposite direction. He runs from the presence of the Lord. Aren't you glad that sometimes we can run, but we can't hide? Listen to me. Even in our sin, we can't hide. Adam and Eve in the garden after sinning, they're hiding from God, right? And God's walking in the garden, and he says, where are you? Why are they hiding? Shame. Jonah's running from God in the opposite direction. And Jonah, guess what happens? Jonah ends up in his own pig's pen. He's in a mess. The storm starts raging. Everyone in the boat is panicking. This is an epic storm. This is the perfect storm. It's crazy. Listen to me. When God sends a storm into your life, sometimes it gets chaotic. You say, God didn't send it. I believe God sent this storm. Everyone is panicking. They're trying to figure out whose fault it is. And Jonah knows it's, it's his fault. Have you ever known it's your fault and you knew you had to do something, but you just kept fighting it? Jonah knows it's his fault. And so Jonah goes to the guys. He's prepared to die. He tells them, hey, fellas, I'm the problem. If you'll get rid of me, everybody okay. And these guys are like, no, Jonah, we're not going to throw you overboard. And I picture the loudest clap of thunder and the biggest bolt of lightning that ever hit the water. And these men are like, all right, you're out. You know, like, no, we're going to get rid of you and the storm gets worse Jonah's still on the boat and the guy's like hey we're gonna throw you overboard listen you would think at least I do if you get thrown over in the perfect storm this is the end of the story God's so ticked at you listen I believe a lot of us see God as a ticked off God who wants to throw us overboard I believe some of you today, you, that's how you see God. You see God as a ticked off God who wants to destroy you and throw you overboard for every mistake. But no, Jonah gets thrown overboard and we think this is the end of the story. But listen, Jonah's just in a mess that he made for himself. And this is God getting his attention. Here's what I think is happening in this part right here. This is God saying, hey Jonah, you can run and you can hide, but I love you too much to let go of you. But I think he's not only speaking to Jonah, he's saying, hey Jonah, I love the people of Nineveh. Too much to let you go. The second thing I see from the chapter, from the book of Jonah, um, you can see this in any of these stories, but God's love can reach you no matter how far you've fallen. God's love can reach you no matter how far you've fallen. Maybe you're here today and you think, man, I've messed up too much. Can I tell you today, no matter how desperate you are, no matter how hopeless your situation may be, listen to me, it's never too late. Look at Jonah. I mean... 
the dude just got thrown overboard. I'm thinking this is probably it now. How many of you remember the, I hated this movie, I hate movies like this, I can't remember the full name of it, but like, what's the kid's name in the no good, horrible, horrible, very bad day, what's that movie about? Alexander, there we go, Alexander and the horrible, no good, very, I hate that movie, it drives me nuts, it's like, can you just have something good happen? But I mean, this is, this is, this is Jonah and the horrible, no good, very bad day. I just got thrown overboard, now there's a huge fish. And this huge fish comes and it swallows him. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, if I somehow survive being thrown overboard, that's, that's one thing. But a fish that comes and swallows me, I'm thinking this is my do not pass go, go straight to hell moment, you know. It's end of story for me. No hope. I've messed up too much. And I think that's where some of you are today. No hope. I've messed up too much. My past has finally caught up with me. It's over. But listen to me today. God's love goes to great lengths to rescue you. Scripture tells us God sent the fish. We just think that this fish happened to be swimming. But no, God sent the fish. I, I, I kind of laughed this week as, as I was reading Scripture and I was reading through this. I, kind of, I picture this boat going the opposite direction. And God's like, all right, got to get Jonah's attention. Let's create a storm. And so then God's thinking, but he's going to Tarshish. I need him over there. Look at that fish. It's swimming towards... I'll just use that fish. It's going in the right direction. The boat's going in the opposite direction. Let's just use the fish. God sent the fish. God used the fish. Jonah has hit rock bottom. He's in the belly of a well. And he cries out to God, God help me. God give me a second chance. I've messed up. Please forgive me. And God hears him. And God sends that fish. That fish swallows him. And that fish spits him out on dry land. And the third thing I see from the story of Jonah or we can look at it in the life of Peter, or in the life of Samson, or in the prodigal son. The third thing I see is this. It's because of God's love for you and for others that we get a second chance. Because he loves us, we get a second chance. Check it out. Jonah chapter 3. So if you remember Jonah chapter 1, it says, hey Jonah, go to Nineveh. Check out verse, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Next, God spoke to Jonah. What's it say? It's all right. You can read it. What did he say? A second chance, right? God spoke to Jonah a second time. Get on your feet. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach to them. Listen, God gave Jonah a second chance. Why? Was it for Jonah? I think he wanted to show off in the life of Jonah. But he gave Jonah a second chance. Why? Because Jonah had a message to preach to the people of Nineveh. Why? Because God loves sinners. God loves people who are broken. God loves people who are distant from him. Why? Because he wants to bring them into his family. God gives Jonah a second chance. Guess what Jonah does? Jonah goes and preaches. Why? Because I don't want to be in a belly of a well anymore. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach. And listen, every single person in the city led by the king repents. God brought revival to the city of Nineveh because a man got a second chance. And if you don't know this about Nineveh, Nineveh is one of the most wicked cities of its day. They beheaded people. The people were terrified of them. It's a huge city, a city of over 100,000 people, estimated to be a city of about 120,000 people. Talk about revival. 
120,000 people fall on their knees and say yes to Jesus. I wonder what would happen in Republic and in Springfield if the church would fall on our knees and begin to cry out for a second chance. Revival would happen. I believe revival comes because we serve a God of a second chance. Remember Peter? He failed. But in Mark chapter 16, we see the angel say, hey, go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter's given a second chance. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, on the day of Pentecost, we find Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think that's a key, he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. Destiny Church, please hear me. Please hear the heart of your pastor. I'm hungry for a move of God. I want to see God move in our city. I want to see God move in this region. I'm hungry for revival. But it starts with repentance. If you're here today and you're desperate for a second chance, listen to me, it starts with repentance. Please hear my heart. Please know this. I'm, I truly want to see God move in this church. I truly want to see God move in your home, in your life, in your school, in your place of work, in your family. I want to see God move. I want to see God blow away your wildest imaginations. But listen to me. It cannot start collectively until we, until we repent personally. Revival cannot come to our homes until dads get on their knees. Revival cannot come to, come to our homes until moms get on their knees. We have to repent. Today, if you're here and you're in Destiny Church, you say, man, Pastor Chad, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready for a second chance. And, you say, and some of you are like, I don't need to repent of anything. I, I, I repent every day of my life. Every day of my life, I'm like, God, would you please search me? Would you please look at my heart? Would you please, you know, I, I've never been in the military, but I've heard of white glove inspections. God, would you do one of those in my heart? Would you reveal to me any area in my life that is unclean, that doesn't look like you? God, I want to repent. I want to know you. I don't want anything to stand between me, me and God. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.